Today's episode of 755 is Real is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to gotomeeting.com backslash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome, welcome. Seven fifty five is real. We're glad to have you guys back here. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening, Eric? Getting fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's new? Nothing. Nothing. Just <laughs> just riding this thing out. You guys aren't even a hot spot anymore, man. What are you talking about? You guys have shifted it over to us, and our dumbass governor is going to open up everything on uh, Friday. Yeah, we have yeah. like the highest obedience uh, rate in the country, I think, to this whole thing. But yep. it's because, yep. you know, that's the biggest difference I noticed going from out, up here to the south is people in the south, you get an elevator with, with them, they want to have a conversation. And people in Seattle have that, you know, screw off vibe from the get go. So I think it's pretty easy yeah. for everybody up here. Yeah, not here. Um, no. Hey, we got a uh, very special guest here today. This is going to be cool. This is the first time we've had Mr. Kelly Johnson on a, on a uh, podcast here, former teammate, obviously, of Eric's, yep. and the guy I covered way back going, starting, well, three times, but starting with the Baby Braves in 05. Hey, what's happening, Kelly? Good to have you on board, man. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Can't wait to bust those chops right now. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys, how many of your stints with the Braves involved uh, being teammates with O? And then Both. the Mets one. So really three. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, we, we did uh, the Mets because when we, when we uh, both left the Braves the first time around and then yeah. teammates with the Mets and then uh, the next year, both with the Braves again. I had the pleasure. Well, for people who – for people who might not have, uh, who might have forgotten, basically that a uh, the interesting route that you took throughout your career. You played eleven major league seasons with eight teams, and you had multiple stints with two of those teams: the Braves, of course, yep. for whom you played six seasons in three different stints, and the Mets, whom you yep. played with for two end of the season stints because yep. of the Braves, who traded you twice to the Mets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's an interesting. An interesting journey, to say the least. Uh, along the way, you became the first player to appear in the game for all five American League East teams. Yep. But ironically, when you played in your first World Series in 2015, it was neither for the Braves nor one of those AL East teams, but it was with the Mets. <laughs> uh, you had four plate appearances in three games in that World Series loss to the Royals in 2015. And you're not the only person on this podcast who got a World Series ring from those Mets. <laughs> <laughs> second place, uh, second place ring, National yeah. Championship. Yeah, that was that was a uh, man. That was a good. That was a good time, though. It was it was a short, you know, brief moment there in a career. But uh, I don't think like I could ever replace playing in a in a World Series and being being in part of that, you know, run. 
I don't think yeah. there was any part of my career that could that could replace that at, at the top. So, you know, that was cool. The, but uh, yeah, do you, you even, got a ring. Do, do you do you even remember that O'Flaherty was on that Mets team? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I made an impact. I, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, so I was, I was, I was really pumped up that oh, you know, was brought over. To be honest, I mean, you made it happen. I think, I, I, yeah, I might. I don't know how much of a role I had. I know, I, <laughs> I know when I saw that that O was was leaving the A's, I went into the coach's room and Sandy was in there, Alderson, and I just kind of pulled him aside. And I was like, look, you know, we don't have anybody left-handed, and O's freaking a great teammate. He busts his ass, and he's going to be really good for everyone that down in that bullpen and on this team. You know, I don't know what it takes to get him, but you know, just wanted to throw my two cents out there, and you know, whatever. And next thing you know, they swung a deal and got him, and uh, you know, that the rest is history. But yeah, we. I, I mean, it was, you could have had me like, for a couple was, packs of gum at that point. Sandy <laughs> 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 yeah. called us into. Uh, Snit's office. Know, was it Snit or Freddie? I don't even know. Sandy Alderson. Uh, oh shit! It was. Um, it was Freddie, I think. At that point. Yeah. If it, if yeah. It, it was. Well, when was it? In April? If it was April, it was. I don't even remember. Was that uh, Freddie? It was early. Yeah. Was April or May. Um, yeah. I can't remember, but um, either way, into the into the manager's yeah. office, and Freddie Freeman and Przinsky and Frank Core all wanted to to come in and and be a witness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh sandy you know presented us our rings and i guess it's i guess he felt like he needed to to say some nice words and, and, and in his presentation you know i would have just taken the ring and been like thanks but, uh, he decided to kind of you know talk about each of us and i can't really remember what he said about about either one of us oh do you remember i do remember that? <laughs> oh, he said he talked about kelly for like four minutes just you know what a great teammate he was what an impact he had you know immediately upon getting him what a change he saw in some of the guys i mean he just went on and on about kelly <laughs> i don't know if he was prepared because then he got to me and, and i had i mean i had not one i had maybe one good game and 15 appearances the rest were just a disaster i mean i got booed off the field probably 12 times Every home game, I got booed off the field. <laughs> and he got to me, and he was like – and uh, so he finished with Kelly. He goes, and Eric, um, you know, we were we were really excited to get you. Um, I heard really good things about you. And, um, yeah, uh, you uh, – I think you work pretty hard. Here's your ring. <laughs> that was like – he couldn't think of one good thing. There was nothing good to say. And I was just like – I just put my hand out like, man, just give it to me. Let's get let's get this part over with. You don't you don't have to do this. He we know how were, it went. You were uh, such a good teammate that we're not going to hold that against Kelly for recommending yeah. that we sign you. Yeah, <laughs> man, yeah it, it was, it was well. an awkward situation anyway. You know what I mean? It was, but it, whatever. We got we got our hardware and it was cool. I still I took it into my kid's school and showed it off, and a bunch of second graders thought it was the coolest thing ever for about five seconds. So, you know, I looked cool for five seconds this year. I don't while. know if I can even find mine. <laughs> I, I have a I have a a ball ring that means more to me than that one because I actually contributed, but it's still pretty cool to have. Why don't you sell it then, man? You probably make a little money. That's a bush move. I'd give it away. Well, give it a charity then. Sell it. Yeah. And give it a charity. I'll probably like give it to my kids it. and tell them I was. I don't know if this, they'll be able to look the stats up and stuff. But I'll probably tell them I dealt. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you should. Dad made a huge impact. Hang on to this heirloom. <laughs> Your kid would like it, man. It don't matter what you did. <laughs> yeah. I might just wear it, let him wear it to school one day and see if he makes it home. I would say looking back <laughs> after playing, you know, 12 seasons, 11 seasons and being on all the teams and seeing, you know, just how everything works, uh, organizations mm-hmm. and minor leagues and guys coming up is 
I don't know if there's ever going to be or has been. Maybe I mean, who knows? But we had 18 guys make their major league debut that year. I think maybe more. Yeah. And about Jesus. About You're twelve. Insane, or fi- about twelve or fifteen of those were we were we were boys. I mean, we were we played on teams together for four or five years, or at least you know mm-hmm. had a full season with with each other um, somewhere yeah. along those lines. And I mean, that's that's unheard of. And I, you know, they had yeah. they had told us that. You know, I remember being in the minor leagues, spring training, and uh, the brass comes down on, and stands up in front of you, and you know, and, uh, and gives their speech, and Mister Scherholtz being like. Hey, you know, we got a lot of good guys down here. You guys are a bunch of good players. And, and I'm just going to tell you 2005, like you guys are coming. And I mean, he basically yeah. said it. I mean, and, I mean, you don't know, you're just put your head down. Like, yeah. oh, I hope I make it one day. And yeah, you, know, you don't really expect it. You don't even know what to expect. I think, I think that's, what's different about back then. I, I don't feel like guys <clears throat> with the exception of a, a couple here and there really felt like they were good enough to get to the big leagues until they were there. <laughs> And then, yeah, and it got called up, you know. And now it was harder. Guys get yeah, guys get signed and drafted, and they're already like planning the route to to how they're going to get called up, and it's going to take two years. And I mean, it's just different. But that that you wouldn't have a veteran that was you know had a lockdown job throwing two hundred innings with a four nine ERA. Yeah, like the game's just gone younger, so it's way more realistic to think you're going to be there now. For sure, yeah. So it was it was it was different. That that part of it though, the group. Um, you know, I got, I got the picture that ran in the paper with all, with most of us. And, uh, I have a, yeah. you know, on picture day, I think there was a, uh, we did a rookie picture. I got that one. Uh, so I, I, I walk by it and see it from time to time and, uh, bring back a lot of memories just on those guys. You were the first up, weren't you? May 29th, no, you came up. No. Who was the, up? Well, there was one guys of the pitchers. That, yeah. Davies was before me. And yeah. uh, actually Brian, yeah, at Brian Boston Pena, Brian Pena was before me, uh, by yeah. a few days, but even before that you had, uh, well, Langey had already made his debut, but he already, he was still considered a rookie. He, him and Pete Orr broke spring with right. with the team. Right, that's right. So Pete, and the utility role. Rookies. Yeah, Kyle so. came up and pitched in Boston. Right, they brought him over from AAA. Yeah, pitched yep. on a rainy night in Boston and pitched really yeah, well too. Well. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah was, uh, was there a point where you guys were all on the same team together, like A ball, Double A, all the way up, or was it kind of like different uh, levels? Well, there. I would say, like I said, like there was if there was twenty something. Rookies that year, I would say like twelve. It's, there was twelve of us that probably played on a team together. At some That's point. crazy. You know, like yeah, it was. It was. I remember. I was actually thinking about this guy, Jamie Emiliano, because I read an article about Sean, uh, Sean Figgins when he was with the Rockies, and Emiliano mm-hmm. was with the Rockies, and we ha- he was on our team in Double A, and he was like, he's like, I've never been on a team where I knew that most of these guys were going to play in the big leagues one day. He's like, I, I mean, I, I played a with Sean Figgins and he named like Aaron cook or two other people. And he's like, I played on yeah. those guys and I knew those guys would be there, but I've never been on a team with this many. And that was a team with like Tony Pena, Jr. Marte, me, mm-hmm. uh, Stern, Adam Stern. Uh, I mean, there's tons of guys. I don't even remember, but, uh, most of us all, you know, did make it. So you came up May 29th and BMAC came up two weeks later or June 10th. Yep. Kind of the main of the main guys on that thing. Uh, yep. And I remember distinctly how much you struggled early, but you were not striking out. You were you were putting the ball in play, but you were hitting 0-59 in 40 plate appearances in your first 12 games. And Bobby yeah. was starting to get asked about it every day. Bobby Cox, we were asking him every day, how long do you keep Kelly in there? Is average below 100 now? Uh, and Bobby kept saying, 
I love his swing. I love his setup. I love that short stroke. He's putting, hey, he's not striking out up there. I'm sticking with him. And we're like, oh, man, Bobby's going to stay with this guy until he goes, you know, 025. And, and I remember in Texas, Bobby, before the game, saying how he, he thought you were really close. And sure enough, that day, <laughs> you go out. It was June 14th. You go three for four with a homer, a double, and three RBIs, and that win against the Rangers. You remember that day, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, close. that's as close to playing in, in front of my family and stuff that I was going to get. So, yeah, I absolutely yeah. remember. Yeah. No, what about, I mean, what a, what about yeah. Bobby and how he treated you early? Well, you know, again, I mean, my, my personality, I mean, you know, like Alex Bregman, I've been reading about how he started one for, you know, 30 or whatever it was. And uh-huh. I mean, that's what I was. I was one for 31 or one for 32. Oh, for my first 17, same as Bregman. He was probably uh-huh. hearing the same stuff I was hearing. You know, Willie Mays started his career over 17 too. It's like, that really doesn't do much for you. You know, like in the moment. Yeah. No. But, yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Cool. But yeah, not yeah. helping. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's in your mind and and what you're doing. You know, we're all built a little different. You know, I think in in a perfect world, we are all built like Alex Bregman and or or Dustin Pedroia. And you're just supremely confident, and you're thinking big picture at a young age. But you know, when I was 23, going through that, I mean. No telling what dark yeah. places my mind was going. I'm pretty sure that most of the guys on the team thought I was, I was actually a pitcher, and they were wondering why I was, <laughs> why I was getting a hit all the time. But uh, I mean, I mean, even my first hit, you know, like uh, the guys would get a ball and write all over it. Eddie Perez would write all over it. You know, he's like, "Here's your first hit ball," and it had like, "You suck," and you know, we thought you were a pitcher and all this stuff. So I mean, like, for, you're just like, man, this is so. Yeah, that that uh. You're right, though. I, I wasn't striking out. I was having – that was kind of what got me there um, yeah. in Richmond. I was hitting – I was hitting really well, but I was also having deep counts and drawing walks, uh, having good at-bats, uh, all those things. And I, I guess that was one thing I did right is I, I didn't – I didn't try to get overly aggressive to get, hit myself out of it, which I would make that mistake later in my career plenty. But at that yeah. moment, yeah. I didn't. And thank thank goodness because that – Obviously, that saved kind of saved, kept me in there and kept him, you know, putting me out there. But um, I do remember getting to that point or, you know, again, I hadn't had a cold streak in the in the season that year because, you know, I came up in the end of May. So that's six yeah. weeks of baseball where I was on fire. I mean, it was due to yeah. happen at some point and it just happened yeah. at the wrong time. Right. When you got moment. called up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sucks. So, I guess I mean, if you're going to. If, if, I guess if you're going to play for a manager, I talked to, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I talked to Dale Murphy and John Smoltz, uh, among the many others who both mentioned the extreme patience that Bobby Cox showed with them at certain points of their career. And Murph starting out, you know, we struggling as a catcher. Bobby wanted to find make him comfortable, moved him to the outfield, all these is it was he the right manager for you to have if you're going to start your career, uh, you know, with, oh. a, with a skid like that? So, you know, think about it. You got, a guy that for one, he wasn't going to get fired for anything. I mean, yeah, he was, yeah. he was, he was going to have to quit, <clears throat> you know, and all yeah. that. So I mean, he, his job security is, you know, not even a question. So there's that, how many managers in a given year have that job secure, that kind of yeah. job security, maybe like five. So yeah. you had to have one of those guys. And then you had to have a guy that was so loved and, and revered about, you know, just his, his, uh, what his scouting or his talent yeah. evaluation. So, you know, for him to think that, there's something there with me. I mean, that's a, that's a win for me. So it's just, yeah. uh, yeah, there, I don't think there could have been any, 
the other manager in the big leagues uh, at that moment, you know, yeah. to stick with to stick with me. So you went oh you hit oh fifty nine in the first twelve games, and then beginning with that three hit game with the yeah. homer. For the next sixteen games, you hit three fifty nine with five homers, nineteen ribbies, and an eleven thirty nine OPS. The Braves went eleven yeah. and five in that stretch. Yeah. So it didn't take long to turn around. There was no in between for you. It was like, <laughs> well, shoot. I mean, and to be honest with you, what's funny? I was just remembering my first hit was in Pittsburgh, and it was an infield single. And the only reason it was a hit is because Pete Orr was on first base, and he hustled and beat the flip to second. So <laughs> really, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So you know, I, uh, yeah, you were always streaky though. Me, yeah, <laughs> always. Um, you know, and you're, you know, now again, now that I'm older, streaky is. Uh, inconsistent and consistent is not being very uh, disciplined and like work right. and, and things <laughs> yeah. like that. So honestly, it's just another little thing where you learn as you get older, some things and you wish you weren't, you know, a dummy when you're, you know, a kid, but uh, you know, I had, I had some good early BP. I remember that, that day in Texas. And, uh, I remember telling somebody, I, I don't remember what I did and, and BP it was different, but it, you know, I just knew that something was going to click and thank goodness I got hot because allowed me to go and get my crap from Richmond and drive back to Atlanta and not be in that in-between stage where you don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> you kept it there, huh? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, God. I'll be back soon. I'm over for 30. <laughs> now I'll pick them up. I'll pick my bags up later. <laughs> hey, so one thing I stood that always stood out to me in retrospect, how could, how do you think you were, you hit lefties so much better? Um, I mean, you hit for power against righties, but against lefties, you hit yeah. 271 in your career, 244 against righties. Cliff Floyd you know, was like that. He was a guy that hit real well against lefties. He said he was I able to keep his so, shoulder in, concentrate yeah. on it. You know, it's, I think big part of it was we had Phil Falco in the minor leagues who would come in and throw BP, and he's left-handed. And then we had uh-huh. um, Frank Fultz was the strength coach there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, he threw really good, and it was firm. BP and he threw a lot and he would throw to you all day if you wanted. And that's cool. I, I was in a group, you know, as a rookie and not uh, necessarily starting all the time. I would always be in his group. And, you know, I, I know I, ch- I noticed a, not- a noticeable change in my at bats against lefties when uh, later in my careers, I didn't have like that guy, you know, like a lefty mm-hmm. that I could hit off of a mm. lot. Um, so, you know, um, that that to me played a big role. I had a lot, and my my off season guy coming up was Langy, and so we'd throw BP to each other. So he was left handed. Um, that was probably a big part of it. But you know, just yeah, I kept my shoulder in, and you know, you stayed back, in on breaking balls day, really well. Oh, I'll tell you, like lefties back in the day, like weren't they? Like, most guys would be pretty honest, I think, and say lefty on lefty, a left handed relief pitcher, especially. No wasn't going to be able to throw inside strikes consistently. Mm-hmm. So you, you noticed real quick that fastballs were mostly moving away from you, which was right in mm-hmm. my wheelhouse. And you were yeah. only having to choose between like two pitches back then. I mean, Fastball either, down away, slider yeah, down away. 100%. So, you know, but it was just, you know, totally different game plan. And, and most left-handed hitters, you know, um, just get themselves out, I think, a little bit back then. And now it's a lot tougher, guys throw a whole lot more stuff and throw harder and you yeah. know throwing in and so it's you know like the guys that were that threw in gave me the fits like Feliciano and um Oliver Perez Rivera and, or JC uh, Romero JC Romero huh? oh gosh yeah so you know uh, uh, that to me was kind of it I just got real comfortable against him there for a while 
So tell me then, was Frenchie, Jeff Francoeur, was he just insufferable that year when he got on the cover of Sports Illustrated after that first <laughs> month in the big leagues? <laughs> uh, no, you know, he was, he was that young dude that the one member I said earlier, the, there's a couple that, that know they're going to get there it's, and they have yeah. some sort of t- timetable in their head. He was that guy, you know, he was, he was a minor league, 19, 18, 20 year old minor leaguer that was basically already in the big leagues in his head. And yeah. he was that way. He was yeah. that way all the way until he got, you know, we all got, we all got humbled um, yeah. when his time came. That was when he, and now he's, you know, that's all, that, that's what it takes. It's baseball. So, you know, yeah. he, he was, a he was pretty much on, uh, invincible. If you think about it, I mean, he, you can't he really deny it. So, yeah. Hey, well, he was on the cover of sports illustrated with that, with that, uh, memorable headline, the natural. Yeah. Because he was just, it was crazy. His first five weeks in the big leagues, but I think you hit on why he was so good. Is, is he one, he's one of those guys that in high school, I mean, he was an all state, uh, player of the year in, in Georgia, a guy who in the majors wasn't known for speed to say the least, but yet he was an all state defensive back in Georgia, which is one of the better uh, high school football talent states in the country and, uh, and a wide receiver. So, I mean, he was, you you know, he's a guy that as an athlete was supremely confident, you know, Clemson signed him as football. And it seemed like until, you know, like that third year in the big leagues, he was able to just kind of carry that and his athleticism and that confidence and, uh, Yep. To a, a hell of a lot of success. Yeah, hundred percent. And he, and you know, again, when he got older and and you know, learn same thing that we mm-hmm. all learn as we get older. I mean, mm. he he found a, a, a really good niche there. I mean, crushed yeah. lefties, had great at bats off the bench. Um, yeah, great clubhouse dude. Yeah, you know, awesome guy to be around. So I mean, there was so much that he did well, and even though it didn't go, you know, like it did for those five weeks. In the, yeah. In the, I mean, we were good. I was, you know, you, you talk about in the beginning, you asked me about what I think about that, that first year. And uh, one story I'll, I'll always tell people, and I, I've tried to look it up just to see exactly who, who was on the field at the end of that game. But when we went to Cincinnati after mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it was mm-hmm. June, uh, I remember shaking hands and, and the, the guys that were on the field, it was like Andrew who like never missed a game. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else was a rookie. It was like, <laughs> me and Lang- it was like Jeff wasn't up yet. It was like me and Langy and Andrew in the outfield. And you had like Badimit, uh Peter, like Marte, and and uh, LaRoche. And then you had wow. uh, McCann. That's amazing. McCann or Brian Pena catching one of those two. And then the pitcher was, you know, some other rookie. And it was like yeah. we were all just shaking hands. And I just remember like, <laughs> what in the world? You know? And then Brian, even even later than that, you know, when we were really like winning, because we when I when we all got up, it we were like in third place. And, you know, it wasn't until like August when we, we kind of took yeah. over the division. And at that point, we were just winning, winning, winning. I just remember BMAC coming through a line, shaking hands and just be like, can you believe this, man? This <laughs> um, is crazy. Think, it's fun. You think about that. You're talking about that game. This was a decade before the league really started going young, too. I mean, this was 05. You so, never saw that many rookies on the field, no, or young no. guys, with a team that was trying to win. No. Now, the Braves did a good job of picking, like, their type of people, you know, and, yeah. and not to mention you had, uh, Snit, Randy Ingle, mm-hmm. Bobby Moore, um, Mike Alvarez and Del Frusto Canton, Pat Kelly. I mean, I don't know about Pat Kelly, but there was some guys there in the, in the coaching staffs in the minor leagues yeah. that were just like so happy to be where they were and they, they yeah. were going to be there for 30 years. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, having beach beach was huge. Chino, all those uh-huh. guys, um, in the Myerleys as coaches. Uh, I think that, that all yeah. that continuity and, and just how everyone was, I mean, it was like, I, I was telling somebody, I was like, man, wouldn't it be like, why hasn't anybody, everybody's bringing managers in from the booth or trying to find those managers. And like, they're going to talk about changing culture, uh, and, mm-hmm. and creating it. And it's like, it just doesn't happen. But like the way the Braves did it with Bobby, he's the mm-hmm. GM. And mm-hmm. as a player, if there's one dude in the front office that you're really still scared of, it's the GM <laughs> yeah. because yeah. you know, he yeah. could ship you out in a heartbeat and he could just not like you, whatever. Yeah. So like, why don't teams maybe look at like a guy that's got a, a certain background and he, you know, put him as a GM, but he, he's also a guy that could and do that more. Cause then you kind of create that. I don't know about fear. Oh, skip the manager step. Yeah, man. Like then you get that fear a little bit and where guys already are like, Oh, you know, uh-huh. it seems like it, it kind of works because, yeah. Cause they would always say that in the, in the, in the spring training in the minor leagues, they would always say, if yeah. you want to go play on the other side of that wall, you know, that big wall, between the fields and play for yeah. six. And that was the the mantra of every coach and manager. I mean, it, everyone was on the same page. Uh-huh. It was that, you know, Bobby Cox, Bobby Cox, Bobby Cox. And I mean, he yeah. earned it for sure. I'm just thinking that was always my thing. Yeah. I'm like, why, why wouldn't we just try that? I don't know. Yeah. 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 The, uh, I mean, the culture started and ended with him when he was here, you know, and it was, uh, and that was good. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, so anyway, giving back, Frenchie came up on July 7th. So yeah, you were up there, what, almost two months ahead of him. Um, and he made his debut in the second game of a doubleheader against the Cubs, had a homer and three ribbies in that game. And in his first 23 games through August 9th, he hit 432 with eight doubles, eight homers, 22 ribbies, and a 1266 OPS. Yeah. Had zero, zero walks. 16 strikeouts and 82 plate appearances in that stretch. Yeah. Braves that? went 15 and eight. I mean, that's, he was phenomenal. He really was. And he was, yeah, you, he was being compared with Vlad Guerrero as a bad ball hitter at that time. Yeah. I mean, you remember too, he was, he was in a spot a little, and I'm not, there's no comparison of my start, his start, none of that. I'm just pointing out he did not come in and play every day. Mm-hmm. Bobby really only played him against lefties from the shoot. You remember uh-huh. he was, he was a, a lefty only. And then, but after a while, it was like, okay, he's got to play every yeah. day. And he yeah. continued to mash righties and lefties for at least a week or two before things started right. to kind of come back to normal. Yeah. But like yeah. he also, and then he also didn't have any days off. I mean, it was like three yeah. years where he didn't really miss a game. <laughs> yeah. and some, some people we all, you know, we kind of wonder like, yeah. like if he could just have like a little bit of a break and have some normalcy. Yeah and not go out there and grind it out. I wonder if that would have helped or not. Yep. He hit 239, 712 OPS in the rest of his season. 47 games the rest of that rookie season. But his first yeah. month had been so ridiculous that he still ended the year with a 300 average and 884 OPS in 70 games. Yeah. Finished third in rookie of the year balloting behind Ryan Howard and Willie Tavares of the Astros. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I mean, I was just another Frenchy thing that, that gets overlooked. And I think it gets overlooked in today's game. Um, mm-hmm. He was, you know, Freddie Freeman's this way. They have a way of, if there's runners out there, like they're driving uh-huh. them in. And yep. Jeff was like almost automatic outside of having like the bases loaded where for some reason he couldn't yeah. do it. But any other time, he was yeah. automatic with guys out there. Freeman was yeah. that way. 
And, you know, that's a big thing. I mean, that's as yeah. a, as a teammate, when you get to those moments and you have guys that really lock in and drive in those runs, those are big. And, you know, the RBIs aren't really a, a stat that people, you know, give a lot of weight. Isn't to that anymore. weird? Yeah. It don't make sense. But cause, because but to me, players it's like, do though. Players do. Players and do that. and uh, it's a big deal. Like it's amazing to me sometimes where you, you see guys getting paid or you, um, you see guys being talked about as being really, really good at this or that. And you look at their, their numbers, they'll get 300, 400 at bats as a platoon guy and drive in like 18. And then you're just like, wait a second, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a big part of this game. <laughs> I mean, driving in the run. So <clears throat> Jeff was exceptional at that. You see, yeah. you see guys just go into a different mode when there's, and you knew it, you know it when you're facing them as a pitcher too. And all of a sudden they're fouling balls off. They weren't fouling off in the seven, nothing game yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just see guys go into a different mode. And I, I think that's something that's just unappreciated in today's game. You're right. Yeah. And it's something that can't be quantified either. Uh, analytically, right. you know what you're talking yeah. about, seeing as a pitcher, seeing a guy going to different mode that doesn't show up analytically. Right. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between the three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code 755 at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code 755 for 25% off your first order. Yeah, you were just two of the things you were just alluding to with Frenchie. He had, people don't realize... He had 48 homers and 208 ribbies in the next two seasons combined, 06 and 07. 208 yeah. RBIs. And he played all 162 in both of those seasons and won a gold glove in 07. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, he, he, was a special, he was a special dude. And I think that was a bigger, you know, thing with him was his personality and, and – you know, he kept it fun. He kept it light and he was able to go out there and, and stay healthy. I mean, he would rarely yeah. ever got hurt. I mean, it was, he'd foul a ball off his ankle and, you know, limp around and it would get nasty looking. And, you know, a day later, he's kind of like, it was nothing never happened. Yeah. It was kind of typical of him. And it's not like yeah. he was staying in shape in the weight room or you know, <laughs> doing all this stuff or eating right. He probably did some of those things about as worse as anybody, but yeah, you know, that's just part of being, you know, God given. Yeah. 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 He wasn't far removed from the football mentality at that point either. Uh-uh. He, uh, he got, uh, yeah. People just remember cause he struggled after that. He had two thirty nine and Oh eight. And then he got traded to the Mets during the Oh nine season. Yep. So it's kind of easy to forget how good he was at the beginning. But, uh, anyway, getting back to you first round draft pick, like, like Frenchie was, you were Damn, first round Kelly. pick, first yeah. round pick in O in 2000, 38th overall pick that year. You spent almost 10 years in the Braves organization before becoming a free agent for the first time in 09. And then you signed three weeks later with Arizona just before the end of that year. 
Um, you had a you had a couple of big years out in Arizona, right? Uh, yeah, that my first biggest, year you my went off. Biggest year, yeah, my biggest year. So I mean, you know, baseball, and I'll probably go down as a as you know my name in, in the game of baseball is probably going to carry about zero weight. But if it comes up in any trivia, it's going to have something to do with my transaction history for sure. So it's, <laughs> it, uh, you know, you got to be lucky. You got to be lucky. Also, I mean, being like you said, uh, how many managers would stick with you when you're yeah in, you know oh forty five or whatever you know um yeah the year i got drafted was was another one i mean we had the braves had five picks in the first 50 and um yeah took, took wainwright That's crazy wainwright crazy. scott foreman and then me aaron her and then the fifth was uh kenny nelson and then not, okay, not so wainwright, that, you, had, yeah. you had zach minor and blaine boyer in the third and fourth rounds you had chris waters who pitched in the big leagues briefly you had laroche in like 12th or 19th or something around wow Charles Thomas That's, was in that draft in late round. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And there's probably a couple others, and I'm that I'm just not thinking of. But uh, the the five picks in the fifty, and you have to have that team that loves you. Well, the Braves national cross checker, his daughter just went to my high school, so he'd drop him off at school and come driving by the baseball field, and uh, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be there every single morning because I, I had a block schedule. I had the first period off, and I'd be up there every morning, and he'd just drive up there to see if I was there. Wow. You know, and so stuff like that. But um, again, going to Arizona, having a, I made some swing changes and some, some mental changes. And, um, and I got AJ Hinch and, and a couple other coaches that were out there that I just clicked with. Uh, mm-hmm. Great place to hit. I mean, you can, AJ Hinch, huh? you can see every, every stitch of the ball out there with that huge green backdrop and, yeah, Freddie. Freddie loves hitting there, man. Oh, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's a, it's, it's one of, if not the best places to hit on a, on a hole. So I mean, yeah. Um, but it had guys, to be a big difference, you know, to hit opposite field homers oh, too, because the Dude. ball didn't go that way at Turner. No, no, you couldn't, you couldn't hit a ball shoot even in right center. I mean, it was pull, yeah. pull side oh, yeah. deep. So I mean, it was, it was a fairly big plus the humidity, uh, all those things. So you know, I got, I was in a good situation. We had a, an offensive team. We we were crushing it in April and um, you know, I had the GM was Josh Burns and he had been uh-huh. calling about me like Frank. Cause when I got uh, non-tender, you know, Frank Wren, I asked him, I was like, who, cause my name had come up in some trades. I was like, what teams have been calling? Cause I wanted to know like who I could reach out to as a free agent. And he said that the diamondbacks had been calling forever, you know, and uh-huh. so they wanted me and, I, and Burns was there. And I mean, at that time, Everywhere Burns went as a GM, if you had a yeah. solid like half of a season, he's signing you to an extension. So you know, I was in a good spot, and I mean, it's good thinking. Sudden, oh, all the the rug gets pulled out from under that. They they get fired, you know, and yeah. you get Kurt Kurt Gibson and Kevin Towers come in, and uh, mm-hmm. those you know not guys I clicked with. So it's just a matter of luck and circumstance. But yeah, well, you had. You went from what six ninety two OPS with the Braves in your last year with the Braves oh nine to eight sixty five OPS in ten with the Arizona, and went yeah. from hitting two twenty four to two eighty four with a three oh three OBP to three seventy OBP, and eight homers to twenty six homers. So yeah, I'd say yeah. you made some changes. Yeah, no, you had like nine doing, homers in April, right? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I got Player of the Month in the National League for that month, and uh, wow. It was, I was leading the major, I was leading major leagues and homers through like mid May. And, uh, but again, like, so you mentioned 2009, uh, and I said, you know, early on, not 
not being overly aggressive early. Mm-hmm. And even though I was try, you know, one for 30 or whatever, you know, most people might try to start trying to swing themselves out of that slump. And I didn't. Well, in 2008, 2009, I started hearing, I don't know what you want to call him, but I felt like Bobby was tired of watching me take pitches, take right, strikes, right. you know, and it was right. just the way that I didn't, if I couldn't put the ball, the bat on the ball and hit it solid at that moment, I was, mm-hmm. I didn't, I just didn't want to come out of that where if I couldn't mm-hmm. square it up, I didn't want to swing. So I would mm-hmm. take some strike threes and I would, I would take some three and one pitches, three and O oh pitches. But ultimately, like that was kind of yeah. my game, and I, yeah. I started to hear things, and so I, I started swinging. And you know, I'm watching Jeff, and Bobby loves Jeff, and you know, yeah. so I, yeah. I tried to I tried to start swinging, and and I yeah. mean, I, I mean, everything just went, you know, yeah. south from there, and it was a so those, that year was just a, a disaster. I came out of right. my own com- comfort zone, and yeah, honestly, I had a good conversation with uh, John Shambi of all people. Um, Really? I, yeah. I just asked him about watching me play in his perspective, what he thought. And he's like, man, a big part of, you know, what makes you valuable is that you see a lot of pitches and you draw walks and all that other stuff. And I was like, uh-huh. he's like, you stop doing that. Yeah. And, you know, just part of that little conversation and making a few other changes. And I stuck with that. And, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, you went back from uh, yeah, you went from thirty-two walks with the last year with the with the Braves in 09 to seventy-nine walks with the Arizona, which is how many walks you'd had in your first full year with yeah. the Braves in 05. Your numbers yeah. were real similar with the yeah. three seventy-five OBP that first year with the Braves and then three seventy with Arizona. So yeah. Hey Hinch, you mentioned Hinch. Yep. Um we had Gaddis on uh, a couple weeks ago and he was talking about Hinch and how he hated seeing him get fired. We were talking about how uh, there was a lot of talk, not from Gaddis, but from other people that had him there, that maybe he was a little reluctant in Houston to kind of put his foot down uh, and lose the clubhouse maybe over that uh, uh, sign-stealing thing because in his, you know, in his previous, how he had kind of lost the clubhouse before and he, wanted to ma- and he had a really good relationship <clears throat> with the players and he wanted to maintain that and how maybe that ended up being his downfall yeah. and you know trying to maybe protect that a little too much. Sure. Was that in Arizona? Did you see that? Was he a real good guy, players manager, and ended up costing him? You know, he was only like thirty. What was he? Thirty four, five, something like that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, and that's two thousand. You know, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. he, you know, there was that, and I think the next year in two thousand ten, when I was there, he his our, our team was built around guys he basically oversaw in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. and I thought I thought it was an awesome environment. Uh-huh. Um, I know talking to him. Uh, later when he got to Houston I think when he first got that job and as a manager he he wanted to like have his hands on the game and on the the tactical stuff and he made the conscious effort when he went to Houston that that stuff almost is like irrelevant like you got to worry about all the matchups and everything but the people side of it is the bigger thing yeah yeah so from what I understand just talking to him back in the day it was more of like he wanted to become more of that uh Mm -hmm man you know players manager in houston yeah. versus arizona and arizona i think he, he had his hands more in the i got you, you. know here's how we're going to play here's the this yeah. and that so right right interesting um i liked him i loved him yeah i him. mean uh, every player i've talked to likes him you know the guys in arizona loved him so um, yeah he'll get hired somewhere else i think i don't it's think it's kind of weird there 
you know, it's kind of weird to think about though, because I think there's always like just an amount of respect that you get having played in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, that those guys wouldn't respect him um, coming in like that. I guess just being younger than them and whatnot, and maybe not, you know, having a crazy you know, yep. Hall of Fame career. But I feel like, you know, anybody that played in the big leagues gets an amount of respect just by default when you walk into a big league clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. You should, for sure. Yeah. I can't even imagine Hinch trying to stop. You know, Beltron had this thing going in Houston. Beltron's 40 years old at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's the ringleader. <laughs> you know, Hinch's not going to stop. He's not going to stop him. To go, you know, I mean, ultimately cost him his job. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. I had a terrible experience. Who would have thought a quick trip for a tux fitting the day after the 4th of July would be such a struggle? What should have been a 15-minute max meeting turned into an hour ordeal with a good half-hour wait time just to get paperwork started. Why am I doing paperwork at a tuck shop? Clearly, this place was under under staff for a study afternoon, uh, for a Saturday afternoon. Holiday weekend or not, I'm pissed off and I'm not coming back. Oh, uh, yeah, he's not coming back. And- yeah, you don't have that problem at the Black Tux. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check in one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off your with the code BRAVES. That's theblacktux.com, code BRAVES for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. When you signed with Arizona, that was the first of six times you signed as a free agent. There's like, who was it the other day that went through free agency for the, oh, it was, uh, Cole Hamels was going through free agency for the first time in his career. And he's 30, 38. (laughs) So you did it six times and there was Arizona in 09 followed by six times, right? Is that, am I counting right? Well, I did Arizona and then, um, Toronto and 12 after Toronto. Yeah. uh, After 11, I got traded 11 and 12. I was traded. And then the next year, right. Tampa so, yeah, Bay, sounds about 13. Right. Yankees in 13, uh, December 13. You, you were free agent twice in one year, Tampa Bay, February 2013, Yankees yeah. in December 2013, and finally the Braves in January 2015, and again in January 2016 with the Braves. So yeah. in between the first and the last of those six free agent moves, you were traded five times, including twice by the Braves. Yeah. Uh, traded by Arizona. August 13 to the Blue Jays in exchange for Aaron Hill and John McDonald. Traded by the Yankees July 14 to the Red Sox for Stephen Drew and Cash. Yep. Traded by the Red Sox a month later, the Orioles from Michael Almanzer in exchange for Ivan DeJesus and Jamil Weeks. July 2015, traded by the Braves along with Juan Uribe to the Mets for pitching prospects John Ganton and Rob Whalen. 
And in June 2016, again traded by the Braves, to, again to the Mets for pitching prospect Akil Morris. So, <laughs> when you... Future Hall of Famer is coming back in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you finally decided to hang it up, why, what did you do? Why didn't you think, uh, you know what? Chances are I can get another year out of the Braves and maybe another trade to the Mets. I know. Well, there's a story there. Um, for one... Going back when I got I was a, I got traded to the Blue Jays when I talked to Frank Wren after being non tendered the Blue Jays was another one Anthopolis wanted to was calling on me a lot um, uh-huh. but my trade there from Arizona had only only because back in the day you had free agents were Type A and Type B and there was yeah. you know draft pick compensation and all that tied to you. Um, because of the years that I had a couple years I had with the Braves and that one in Arizona and I, I still hit. In 2011, I hit over 20 homers and, um, you know, whatever. It was okay. I hit like my average was low, but the power was there yeah. and I was a type A free agent. Um, no so, way. Yeah. So the, that was the only reason Anthopolis traded for me is he, he assumed uh, I was not yeah. going to sign back. And that, uh, he had, he had coaches asking me almost daily, how do you like it here? How's the family? Like almost feeling me out, like to see if I was yeah. like, going to be like, I hate it, you know? And I, yeah. I told my wife, I was like, I do not let me sign back here as a free agent. I don't want to come back here. I don't like it. And I got to be a free <laughs> agent that year. And it was be, you know, because of the way they did free agency, I could accept arbitration from the Blue Jays and uh-huh. return. And I knew my salary would be better, higher. Yeah. And I, I'd only be there for one year or my options were not great. It was go to, um, I was going to do a sign and trade with the Padres. Josh Burns was there and trade Orlando Hudson to the Blue Jays for me after uh-huh. agreeing to some sort of deal, like a two-year deal. Or it was the Pirates for a two-year deal. Um, both of those were like two years, 11. And so it was either go to the Blue Jays as arbitration, for like six and a half, or sign for five and a half, and then five and a half for those two teams. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh was last place, and they were not going to play me at second base. The Padres, uh-huh. as, as you guys know, uh, Marcus Giles being example number one, when you go there, you disappear. Like Jason yeah. Bartlett, Marcus Giles. Like, like We were talking know. about that with Machado the other day, how you just don't Dude. hear that much about him now, even though he's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, he's a superstar. Yeah, your career ends there back as a hitter. You know, So I was like, I at that point, you got, you know, I got like six years. I'm like, like I don't want to be done in two, and I don't want to go and not play second base because I felt like I would lose a lot of value. So I was like, I'll just stick it out in Toronto one more year, make more money, and have a good year on that. That's supposed to be a good hitter's part. So yeah. It was, and that ballpark was still huge in San Diego back then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So in hindsight, you know, I played second base that one more year full time. In hindsight, uh-huh. I probably should have signed in Pittsburgh. They turned around and ended up being really good for a while. Uh, would have been a great place for me to hit. I mean, you know, you make decisions. Could have hit them as a river to, there. Try to, yeah, you try to make decisions on stuff, you know. I should have, yeah. that should have been where I went and I didn't, but you know, Matt Diaz went there and he lasted all of like four months on a two year deal and they, you know, got rid of him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you never know, but, uh, fast forward all the way. Where were we? You, uh, at the end, you asked me yeah. about yeah, the, the end of my career. Yeah. So the story there is, um, I knew I was done in 16. I was with the Mets and everywhere I went that season, I would, I would go into a place and be like, you know, I don't think I'll be coming back. I started kind of looking around. I get there early, walk around take it all in. It just felt like the end. And so when I got done um, in my mind, I was kind of like, you know, if if Coppola and the Braves Mm -hmm. would call me and if that was an option again, 
you know, I'll do it. Cause I, it, when I went to the Mets, I mean, I had some really good uh, pinch hit at bats, some clutch at bats, you know, eighth, ninth inning, uh-huh. you know, RBIs. I, I did my job very well that year. Um, uh-huh. Like pit, batting average off the bench wasn't phenomenal, but I had led the league in like pinch hit homers and, you know, had mm-hmm. some big, big moments. So I'm thinking that's got to count for something, you know, I'm not like, I'm not done, but mentally yeah. I was kind of like, eh. So I kind of limited it to Mets, Braves, Nationals. If any of them call or would would call me or talk to me, then I'd do it. And honestly, before the World Series was even over, Coppola did call and was basically like, "Yeah, we want to bring you back." You know, really, really mm-hmm. like, like it sounded like in the other two years, like, "Yeah, yeah, you're you're coming back. You want to come back? You want to come back?" I'm like, "Sweet." So yeah. for like three weeks, it was like that. It was like, "Well, let, you know, the next time I talk to him, yeah, yeah, we're, we just got to do this. We're we're just check in and stay in touch." And it just got uh-huh. colder and colder and colder. And they didn't make any moves. Um, and at some point, I had a conversation with him where they were going to keep – they wanted Chase Darnode on the team for some who knows what reason. <laughs> and, um, and it was evident to me. Guitar. I like, Dude, I mean, I said – I just said, Coppola, I said, John, like, you're basically telling me that Chase Darnode is better than me. And that's the biggest load of crap on the planet. And that was the last conversation we really had um, about anything. And then the Mets had kept Jose Reyes. Uh, and so their roster was just yeah. full. And I called the Nationals and because uh, they had offered me the year before more money uh-huh. to, to go there. And I signed back to the Braves instead. <clears throat> so I thought, you know, maybe maybe they'd still want to talk. And, and uh, you know, they had Stephen Drew, I think, or something. So, you know, that was it. I was, I was completely happy with it. I didn't, I, I wasn't sad. I wasn't missing it. I haven't really missed it a day yet in my life other than just the guys. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you were living in Atlanta at the time, right? You had kids yeah. and all oh, that. Yeah. So that's why Atlanta made more sense. I mean, that's why you kept well, coming back. Yeah, man. I mean, just staying on the, on the side of the country. I mean, it's, yeah. we got to the, got to the point where you get, we had our third kid and that year was when I got traded, you know, from yeah. Yankees to Boston, yeah. Boston, Baltimore and all that. So, um, that's a it was, mess it's just what you yeah i mean it's it's not you know you try not to make baseball decisions based on a, a whole bunch of things you should just take what you want but I, like i said i was happy with you know both outcomes so i didn't need to like toronto actually ironically called me a lot that off season and uh they had like three holes in their in their lineup for a bench guy and i mean um Call, I mean, t- called me even well into spring training and uh, uh-huh. wanted me to come. And I was just like, no, man, like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Copy called you during the World Series before the free agent period. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but uh, he goes, he goes it don't just, matter. At this point, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, he's not coming back. <laughs> he goes, he's not coming back. Uh, it's just two friends, just two friends having a conversation. Yeah. Like, I think that <laughs> happened quite a bit with Copy. <laughs> yeah, man. What a, that guy. That guy is tough to root for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like him because he got me 10 years yeah I hear you on that I do I mean he's the same with me I guess but still I mean even that was yeah. a debacle for me with him I, I had to go through arbitration with him when he was like the arbitration guy behind Ren and that's so oh, that was the first oh, bad yeah. taste and the second bad taste was when I got my 10 years um, in 2015 and I was on the DL and I had just gone on the DL. So the injury was very fresh. Like, you know, when you have injury, like the first week, it's basically like you don't do nothing. So yeah. I'm like, hey, man, I got this day is my 10 years. I was, I'm was, i even thinking of flying like my mom, dad, my brother um, and doing something for it. And, you know, I can just shoot down to Orlando, 
right after. And uh, this is like in two days. I'm like, come on, like two days from now. And he's like, oh, no, Kelly, we got to send you down to Orlando. It's policy and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Think about it. Think <laughs> about it. BJ Upton. I think uh, BJ Upton wanted to <laughs> go down there and, and we said no and it become a racial thing. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, oh, no one God. even has to know. Like, it was a joke. So. <laughs> Oh, I could hear it. I can hear him explaining that to you. Oh, right. That voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So you came up as a second baseman, right? But that first year with the Brave Baby Braves played exclusively in left field. Was that correct? Yeah. You were second yeah, baseman in the minors? And that, we didn't, we, we didn't, I just like these little stories from time to time. But like my first day in was a day game. Or I think Davies, Kyle Davies picked me up. Uh-huh. So I'm in the locker room and I'm getting my stuff. And Bobby rolls in and he's like, hey, John, let's come here. He's like, oh, you're going to hit third. Is that all right? I'm like, are you sure about that? He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah you've been playing everywhere around there. Left field, right field, which one do you want to play? Like, I have my choice. I'm like, well, I guess I played more left field. I was like, I should have I should have said right. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have moved me over. But, like, right field is so much easier than left field. I should have been like, right field. Come on. So, yeah, it was, that was a funny first uh, conversation with him, you know, being there. Wow. So, I guess the great thing about moving around as much as you did uh, is because you talked about the co- missing the guys. That's what everybody says. They miss the camaraderie more than yeah. anything is you've got, you got a chance to play with a lot of really good dudes over the years. And you probably are able to kind of, even if you don't talk to them for six, eight months, you're able to text them and it's like, Hey, we're friends. I mean, you're friends forever yeah. with those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be best friends and talk with people all the time, but you sure, sure. certainly reach out. I mean, it's like, Oh, you know, like love. Oh, and I, I wish we would hang, but he's out in Washington. I'm in Atlanta. Right. It, the effort there and how much is, what's the reality, but you know, definitely yeah. stay in touch. And, um, you try to maybe one day there'd be a day you get together, but that's what the alumni events are for, I guess. And, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I think that's who I played for managers and who I've played with. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some things or some things that maybe if the day comes, I ever do want to get back into the game, you know, the experiences and uh, who I've been able to kind of watch and be around. Those uh-huh. those could be some valuable things. I mean, maybe not. Maybe by at that point, they want you to have interned at MIT or something. But uh, <laughs> still, never know now. I mean, you know, never know. But uh, for sure. It's I weird, mean, though, because cool. you go from you went you go from hanging out with all these guys all the time to you know, they're, they're spread out among the country. But for me, yeah. especially being up in Seattle, nobody stays up here, but it is cool. You know, that there's guys like if I text Kelly, I know I'm going to hear back. You, you got, you got an amount of guys that, you know, if you text them, you're hearing back or call them, you're hearing back. And then there's other guys that it's like 50, 50 when you send it. And there's guys, it's yeah. like 10% chance. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No, so you played that. You played with some guys, Kelly, that, uh, I mean, you had some great teammates, right? Some guys that you'll never forget playing with. I mean, range. I mean, yeah, I, I can, I'm thinking of, you know, the Prados, the O'Flaherty's, the, you know, mm-hmm. Brian McCann, Frenchie, you name them. Some of the great yeah. teammates well, you had. I mean, yeah, Atlanta has got probably the most. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I played there for so much longer. And yeah. Some yeah. Me. I, you know, David Ross came in also. And, Which, yeah. Uh, uh, Uribe, I, I loved Uribe. I mean, just as a yeah. – oh, I, awesome. I don't know him as a dude, but, I mean, just as, He's a, awesome. as, a, as a guy to, like, just – makes you laugh you know yeah things like that those those things rolling up with a cigar in his ear and uh, sunglasses on he always had a cigar on him oh yeah (laughs) dressed real loud we got traded we were in st louis 
had to go to New York and that I, I don't even know where that dude would have ended up if I wasn't with him because our flights <laughs> all got jacked up. We actually ended up supposed to be on the same flight, obviously, um, and ended up on different flights and maybe even flying to different airports. And I remember getting into the hotel and, and texting him and being like, dude, are you good? Like, did you make it? And I mean, but to get him on his flight that he ended up leaving on in St. Louis would not have happened if I wasn't there. <laughs> you know, Arizona had like Justin Upton, uh, Chris Young, and Stephen Drew, yeah. LaRoach again. Um, you know, I was with LaRoach yeah. twice, twice with the Braves, like once in Arizona. Had Blaine out there, had uh, just a, you know, I, I, yeah, I have so many teams. I mean, it just take forever for me to kind of come. Yeah, yeah. Out, but, you know, like even just being uh, with the Yankees was when was Jeter's last year. CC oh, Sabathia is probably huh? probably the coolest uh, superstar that I've played is he? With. Yeah, I've heard I mean, great just, things about him. He's amazing, and um, you know, I mean, it's just cool. Some of those memories. I was actually, you know, I was just telling this story uh, on a New York radio, but you know, my spring training was when Jeter announced he was going to retire, and then uh-huh. I was actually playing second base when he hit that walk off base hit in his last game at you know yankee stadium so i got to see both you know kind of from both ends there right um, right but yeah man right i mean the managers i mean you had joe madden and bobby and uh Kurt gibson was a manager of the year and uh yeah. john farrell won a world series joe girardi won a world Damn. series uh you played yeah, some Hench won ones. a world series Hench, you know went on and terry collins <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. uh yeah this i feel like they're missing wow. some but it, yeah I mean, it was it was some some good people to be around. Plus the, the coaching staff, you know, the pitching coaches, the, the, the base coaches. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the coolest part about a lot of it is kind of remembering those people and some of the, some of the stupid stuff, you know, that we yeah. just do in, the, in a locker room. And, you know, I mean, just idiotic stuff like the bullpen catcher in Arizona that would, uh, there's nothing he would say no to, to, to make some money. I mean, he was eating, <laughs> I love che- those guys. He was, he was eating cheese. It's with like, 10 guys pulling boogers out of their nose, loogies, <laughs> um, you know, dip spit, you know, there was a, there was a, what is like the hottest pepper you can get in Arizona? Ghost like, pepper. He was, yeah, it was ghost pepper challenge between two guys. One guy looked like he literally was going to die and he won and uh, just dumb stuff that, you know, pranks and, you know, all those things that I just, I, I suck at remembering them when it's time to tell them, but uh, yeah. Whenever they do hit me, I'm like, oh man, that's so funny. But yeah, like, <laughs> millionaires like said, acting like, like twelve year olds is the greatest thing, that, huh? That's what's so funny. That was like, I try to explain that because you know you come home and your dad and husband and your full time <laughs> yeah. in the house, and it's like, man, like you don't understand like, what my I I didn't just grow up as a kid from like my kid years. I was a kid, you know, like thirty five years. Thirty five. So, uh, same boat, man. Same boat. Don't understand? People don't like. It's a hard adjustment there to to, and not to mention like <laughs> sensitivity and people's feelings. Like, because in, in a major league yeah. locker room, that's that doesn't matter. Like, there is zero care for your sense, your feelings. And uh, now we were you know, talking like, about that uh, last time <laughs> when uh, I was talking about when I came when I come home from every season, I'd be used to everybody just you know you rip on each other twenty four seven and. My wife would come out in like a lime green turtleneck and ask how it looked. And I'd be like, that's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen. You know, and she, you know, she'd say, you're an asshole and storm out of the room or something like that. And you always have to like have yeah. that adjustment period because you're so used to just having no Bite, feelings at all. Not biting your tongue ever. No. And then, you know, it's just, it's an adjustment for sure. I feel you. Hey, were you, were you, you guys were on the team when they traded for Uribe? 
when he he and Przinsky were together with the Braves? You guys weren't around for that, right? We yeah. I was with Uribe in uh, New York. Yeah, <laughs> when I was there. When the Braves got Uribe, you were there, Kelly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, his his him and AJ Przinsky going back and forth was just a highlight, man. Oh my well, god, those guys. The funny part about that is like you know, B Mac and Frenchie go back and forth is classic too, but they genuinely like each other. Uh, Uribe right, and right. Przinsky, like I don't think Uribe was that fond of Przinsky. He was just <laughs> really so. good. At, he was really yeah. good at faking it, and so his, doing his it with comments, a smile. Couldn't Dude, he was comments. cutting him down with his. <laughs> oh yeah, they were low blows, <laughs> they were, but they they, they were awesome. Uribe would oh. Because you yeah. guys would play. I remember because uh, Uribe. <laughs> Everywhere you go, Brzezinski gets booed. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so Uribe comes in the clubhouse for the game. Uribe's like, oh, aren't you here? Boo, AJ, boo. <laughs> Fuck you, AJ. Fuck you, AJ. <laughs> and AJ's like, they're booing you, Uribe, in, uh, in uh, San Francisco. And he's like, they boo you everywhere, AJ. Boo, AJ. <laughs> Fuck you, AJ. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Yeah, then, yeah, uh, when, when, when Uribe shows up with the Braves, they trade him. And like a week later, you guys have a homestand. And this big uh, uh, auto transport truck pulls up in the in the player's lot. And like five of Uribe's cars were on it. He had like five <laughs> cars delivered to Atlanta. And he was only going to be with the Braves for two, like months. two months. Yeah. He had yeah. A, a, roll, a white Rolls Royce. He had sports cars. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like. I was like, dude, that white, that Rolls Royce. Goes, you like the white Rolls Royce, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not my favorite one. <laughs> Man, said, my first impression of him was dancing naked on a table yeah. when I walked into the, I walked into the Mets clubhouse <laughs> the day I got traded there. At five o'clock, Uribe's just, just standing up on a table, just dancing naked. I was like, yeah. what am I walking into? That had to be yeah. a sight. It was uh, a sight for sure. Did he have a cigar in his mouth? <laughs> I don't know. That was great. It that was, was a prime s- example of what was sad. What's like we talked, we kind of hit on like the, the way the game has changed, but like that Mets yeah. team was a, was was kind of lost. Like a bunch of young dudes that you know when you're young, it's like you don't know what you're doing. Like you know you you, you act like you do, and you got a bunch of like false confidence, and you know yeah. you're you're just there. You're like, all right, you know I'm in the big leagues, but they had zero like yeah. zero idea of like that kind of stuff, right. you know, and there was yeah. no fun in that locker room. No, no, you know, like Jose Ray yeah. is a fun dude. And I'm sure when he was there back in the day, it was pretty good, but it was a Latin, Latin heavy team. So like, yeah. but you got, you got Uribe and then, you know, uh, Cespedes was, even though he was kind of quiet, was like a show in himself. Uh, he was a it, show, you know? And then you had some, once you got like me and O and then David came back off an of injury. Now you had like guys that had like been there and have real confidence and have that real, like, you know, mm-hmm. idea of what it's like. And that's when you saw you know how like, to take a loss and still be able to laugh. Yeah. Like hundred percent, you know, like you couldn't get sensitive on an O for four and you know, think you're getting mm-hmm. sitting down or manager says something about you having to have better at bats and they're like crying about it. You know, it's like, no, nah, you just Grow forget up. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, that was a, that was what was so cool about watching that team was how much like bringing in veterans changed yeah. it versus like, now it's like, let's get all those guys out of here. Yeah. We've talked about that on the podcast so many times, the importance that, you know, the people that still insist on downplaying uh, leadership and veterans and presence. And we've talked about how it just cannot be overstated, how important it is. I mean, the best so teams all have a it. young guy. I mean, just for your yeah. development as a young player too. I mean, how much you learn from watching someone else. 
Yeah, because as many young guys as you had on that 05 team, you had some guys, some veterans to kind of take your cues from when you came up, even though if you had you know, 18 guys make their first year, uh, their debut that year. Well, that's not a mistake. Like, even that 2005 team, I mean, it, you could talk about Baby Braves and Jeff had a, a big impact and we all had our mm-hmm. moments. But come on, like, yeah. and, Andrew Jones that year was right. stupid. Right. I mean, he when I showed up in May, I want to say he had, well, you could look it up, but I want to say he had, 11 home runs or something like that, mm-hmm. which was not, which is normal. It's like a, you know, five or six home runs in each month there, April, May, like that's normal. He went on to hit 50 and, and yeah. it felt like he hit one like every two games and they were big. Yeah. They were like bottom of the ninth. We're down by one. Andrew home yeah. run top of the 11th. We're tied Andrew or whatever. Bottom of the 11th walk off. You know, you're like, dude, he just won that game. Yeah. So yep. I mean, you know, Andrew and then yeah, Smoltz coming back to the, the rotation that year. And, and we got Huddy that year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, know, you got Farnsworth and you had Rietzma and you had, uh, I mean, just, we had guys like Jorge Sosa came out of nowhere and was like unbelievable. So, I mean, there was veterans that were the reason, right. really, really the reason that we went and won that division. It wasn't the rookies, but it was cool. Yeah. It was cool to be a part of, but you know. Yeah. You guys were a story, but like you said, you could have had 25 rookies that year, but the f- veterans you had on that team were the ones that kept it all together and stirred it. hundred percent. Yeah, Andrew that year. Oh my God, he was, he was unbelievable, was man. I'm looking at his numbers there. When did you say you you were I, talking well, about? When, you I, came when up I got and, there, you know, May 29th. So for, through two months, he he his first two months in the in that season, he probably had ten or eleven home runs. Yeah, and then from and he hit, what, and May? How, many, how many did he hit in spring training that year too? Remember that? He hit yeah, like ten yeah, or eleven yeah. in spring training. How about from for, how about this from May eighth to uh, May eighteenth in ten games he had seven homers and twelve ribbies. So what? How many did he have in April? How many home runs? That was a rookie of the year. Uh, I mean, uh, MVP. What runner up that year? Yeah, the behind Pujols. Uh, Pujols. Yeah. And Derek Lee was crazy that year too. The both of them had hit so many RBIs in April. I want to I want to test your memory there because I bet it's good. He had three homers in, in April, but he had nine in May. So he had 12 go. going into 12. June. Then he hit yeah. 13 in June. There you go. So, yeah, <laughs> Andrew Andrew won that division. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Chipper's awesome and, and Smoltz yeah. and Huddy. All those guys were solid, but Andrew carried a yeah. big time. And his 13 is a Hall of Famer. 13 in June, 7 in July, 11 in August, and 8 in September, October. He had – he had 20 or more ribbies in each of the last four months of the season, including 29 yeah. in August in 28 yeah, that's games. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, and honestly, like even as a brave <clears throat> being a part of that, it was cool, but like, I was, I'm still disappointed just in the next few seasons that I was there. And I'm, you know, when, when O came in and those guys had another, you know, run of, you know, Hayward and, and uh, Freeman and, and yeah. Teron and, bunch of bunch of just studs and they were winning again i mean that was cool but you know i I, I liked being a part of one i wish i could have been a part of more of that because you know the playoffs is so so much fun but you know i got to i got to end my career in a playoff roster last four seasons you know that's a good taste you know and going to world series too so I like you, but you made uh, what 829 starts at second base 104 in left field 49 and third 36 at first. It's funny because you said right field is easy. You made one start in right field in your career and won it. Did you? And won it shortstop. And I went on the DL 
and uh, in the Yankees. I made, uh, yeah, I got, and then I got traded on the DL. So I played that one. I like game that you. I like that you played exactly a thousand games in the National League. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> one of those. One of those weird to that. Yeah, three hundred ninety nine in the American League. But yeah, my so, transaction history is solid. I'll tell you, way better than Kelly, my, I got way a better than my stats. You. You got to have a hell of a jersey collection, man. I hope you did. Think about that when you were doing it, when you're playing. Yeah, I do. I only, I think I don't have a Red Sox or a Yankees jersey, and I could probably make a call and have those sent. But yeah, my my twelve days as a Red Sox weren't enough for them to let me take it. <laughs> hey Kelly, do you think the game's gotten harder since since you left it? Like, what what's your what what are your thoughts on the game today? Um. You know, that's tough. I would say, you know what I mean? I, you know, our last couple of years there was when the, the velocity changed yeah. drastically. Um, and it's weird. What's, what's really weird is that it felt like it was really hard to get a hit there from like 2014 to, to 16. It was the like shifts, maybe. You know, there was shift. Yeah, the shifts were huge. And, but the velocity, you know, like guys, every guy through 90 bazillion. And yeah. What's weird is that the, when my my first year of retirement, seventeenth. Um, remember the numbers were like crazy for offense. Like it went from yeah. being like mm-hmm. the top ten in batting average in the National League was like three ten and three fifteen, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you had like guys hitting like three seventy, three sixty. And I just was like, the May who did that? Who was doing I that? I don't know. I felt like when I watched the Braves their first year in SunTrust, it was like Freeman was oh. hitting three thirty all of a sudden, and Marquecas was yeah, hitting, he hit three seventeen. You know, yeah, so like all of a sudden guys were just raking, and I'm like, "What?" So I guess everybody just got adjusted to the velocity. So, you know, you get adjusted and things, things like that. There's always those like ups and downs, like who's who's dominating. And so, I don't know that the games. I think it. I feel like it feels to me like the people are making the game harder than it should be yeah. by all the extra stuff. And so, I think it's kind of cool. Some of the rule changes they've made, I think, are kind of cool. Like. You know, I don't know how you feel about the lefty having to only come in and face like one batter, throw one pitch. And Get better. Done, you know, rather than change that, up. like now go and you have to face a whole inning. And that's cool. So, yeah. Um, but I think hitting and um, and all that. One one thing that definitely changed, you know, as I got older was they're now going and getting on, on the offensive side. They're going and getting the best athletes and they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to kind of teach them it hitting and they're willing to wait on the the offense and yeah they want Mm -hmm. the defense they want the athleticism Mm -hmm. and that's what's changed that's crazy like it's crazy how amazingly talented athletes like the guys are when you think about like an outfield that was like the red sox outfield like jackie bradley Mm -hmm. betts and benatende and you know you could go on and on and find guys that those kinds of things and the infields you know like how good the defense like the braves infield defense donaldson Albies yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and Dansby and then Freeman. It's like, holy cow, like how do you get a hit? Yeah. So um yeah. that's where it's definitely it's more me, athletic. That's where it's gotten harder is just in terms of like I don't feel like these guys have an off season. Like I was watching throwback NBA basketball games, you know, um nineties, and you have everyone looks a little spat and slow, you know, and they're tough and they're yeah. strong and they lifted weights, but like now, like when you watch old throwback baseball games, the same thing. But that's because like those guys didn't work out. Like they didn't go, no. they didn't go home and yeah. lift weights and run, you know, sprints and miles and eat right. Like they did all that in spring training to get ready for the season. So yeah, yeah, it's like that in that way. Like guys don't have off seasons. You know, they they go home and they're immediately like 
getting after it. And well, guys the, don't drink at party anymore either. They don't drink. They, 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 they eat healthy and they get their they sleep. It's a hundred percent, man. And that's, you know, it seems less fun, but I, if you're honestly yeah. you know, bet on yourself and say, <laughs> I am my lottery ticket, like you should act like that. So yeah, that's where it's harder. I don't know about the game, but definitely that kind of stuff. I look at I it and I, I see. The, I feel like the strike zone's gotten smaller. You know, from a pitching standpoint, as a lefty, you used to always get two inches. That fastball down away, mm. you got it every yeah. single time. You got two inches off the plate, and yeah, now you the, have to throw it in the box. So those 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 umpires, I get to talk to. All, I get to know all those umpires so well playing in the infield and talk to them enough. And like at the end, there all the old guys talk about rave about the young umpires because they come up in that system of, uh, you know the computer grade system. So yeah, if, they're, if they, they miss, miss those two inches, like that's a, that's a dock on their, you know, their, whatever they're being graded on. So they're tight. Yeah. Like they're on that system. And so that's only going to get tighter and, and all that. But hundred percent, man, like I, I grew up, you know, rookie year, first few years, you hit a ball out in left field, probably should have been caught. Oh, that's Pat Burrell out there. Oh, Adam Dunn's <laughs> playing left field. But thank you. Eric Kinski's running around out there. Eric Kinski. Now, <laughs> yeah. like, dude, that don't happen. Yeah. And those are outs all day long. Yeah. So, you know, it's, again, you know, circumstance of the of the game and time and yeah. who you played against, who you played with. So, yeah, it's harder that way for sure. You played with uh, a bunch of uh, future Hall of Famers. Uh, who would, if you had to say, I, I don't know if you could narrow it down to who's the best hitter you played with? Um, so, I mean, just in terms of who I've played with, and you know, we can narrow it down from there, but I mean, I got to see Jeter, but it was his last year. Chipper, obviously. Yeah. I think Andrew's right. a hall of famer, so we'll count him. Uh, yeah. Renneria is awfully close. We can count him. Um, uh-huh. and then after that, I was on a lot of young teams, but, uh, Beltran, um, Teixeira, um, Marcakis, Freeman, mm-hmm. um, that, you think would, Freddie, Freddie, Freddie's it. on a Hall of Fame path? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say of all those guys, I mean, that's an easy chipper for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Jeter's value is like LeBron James. You know, it's like, yeah, he wasn't the best hitter. Like LeBron's not the best shooter or he right. wasn't the best right. shortstop. Like LeBron's not like the best defensive player either. But like when you throw it all together, yeah. you're like, damn. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. he doesn't, you know, get up there with some of those guys, but. Mm-hmm. You know, chip the chipper. That's funny. Sure. We named our. We were talking about bet most underrated and everything last last week. Was it Eric? Anyway, I had that's who I had Edgar Renteria as my oh, most what underrated. A, what an awesome dude! Yeah, he's oh. up there. he's on that list too. Teammates. I mean, he he changed uh, us for sure. Uh, again, we didn't win, but um, mm-hmm. he he brought that St. Louis. You know, pregame, uh-huh. go out and get all the ground balls without all the other noise. And so, yeah. you know, 10, 15 minutes before batting practice, he had all the infielders out there getting ground balls. And that was, a, that was awesome. You know, he's, you just do what he does and you're good. You know, kind of like Mark Akis, just do what he does. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Mark yeah. Akis, one of those guys you just watch uh, leads by example, classic case of it, right? A classic example of that? For sure. Yeah. I mean, he's not a talker at all. I mean, yeah. that's, an under, that's an understatement. But yeah, he just. I, I thought the cool like, thing about him uh, was just the ability to just do the work every day. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things as you stick around the game for a long time is just come in and do your work. I mean, a lot of stuff gets redundant, and you watch Cakes do it, and it's just so easy for him. He comes in, he's got yeah. his routine, he does his work. 
Well, oh, you were that way. I when I think about you, especially when you came over from Seattle, like I felt like you were always doing something, and it was like, I was hungry, was routine, and I didn't a have a choice. Yeah, you know, so I was, I, like, I was hungry. The uh, I, I, this was I was talking about earlier when you talk about being streaky, or I had my hot streaks. I, I think I could have just, if I could go back, that would be like my biggest change is just be redundant and boring. Like I've said that before. I'm like being, the hardest thing being a superstar mm-hmm. in baseball is boring. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you got to get sleep and you got to eat right and you got to go work mm-hmm. out and you got to do the same thing over and over. And I mean, like Jeter, I was only with him for, for four months plus spring training. I could tell you exactly where that dude was going to be at any given time by the time he showed up and when he left. And it was Ichiro just, too. Ichiro, same, 100%. Yeah, I mean, he was a freak. But yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah. 100% same, same for most people that are, that are superstars. So. I think it would have been easier if I knew that life's going to get redundant when you're done playing too. You know, like <laughs> it, right. it's the same thing being home. It's just, it's almost, especially with this quarantine or whatever, but it, you, I didn't realize that when I was playing that, you know, there's just a lot of redundancy in life that it would have made it easier for me to stick with my program and, and keep at it and keep doing it with more, I guess, just enthusiasm versus here's team stretch again at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that stuff kind of, it wears on you because there's so many games and, you know, you lose that perspective sometimes as a professional athlete until you're out of it. And you're like, damn, I actually had 25 guys to joke around with while I was yeah. taking the trash out, <laughs> you know, doing your daily routine. It felt like drudgery then, but now you, I look back at it. it and I'm like, man, I'd love to go do a team stretch and yeah. Yep. Rip on All strength right. coach. All right. Well, listen, we are up against it and uh, we really appreciate Kelly giving us all the time he has given us. We've gone over what we told him we need him. So, hey, man, it's been uh, great. We really appreciate having you on here, Kelly. Hey, I love and, it. Uh, we'll uh, do it. We'll listen, do it I've again. actually listened to some of these and, and uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to replay. I had a text from Moilo at like midnight last night and he's watching like old 2006, 2008, you know, outings <laughs> of his. And so it's funny that, you know, even though we're done playing, it's fun to go back and kind of watch these things. And I love listening to you guys talk to these, uh, these former teammates and guys that, you know, have some history with. So I appreciate having me on. It's been fun, man. Yeah. Thanks thanks for coming. We'll do it again sometime. All right. All right. Appreciate appreciate it. it. All right. See you. And that's it for us. We'll be at, we'll be back on, uh, on Friday. Lord willing and Creek don't rise. And, uh, 755 is real. And Eric and I are out. (laughs) 